Begin the current Dav Mesechus Babakam and Dav Tzadik Tess. Begin on the bottom line of Dav Tzadik Tess in the base, where the Gemara continues the discussion from the previous Dav. That is, Rav Asi qualified the halacha of this previous Mishnah regarding if someone gives an item to a craftsman to fix and actually ends up ruining it, that he has to pay. Rav Asi said that the, two, the first two cases of the Mishnah are actually one is explaining the previous case. And that is, it's only if he gives him something like a box. And then he knocks in a nail and he destroys the thing that he has to pay. But if let's say he gave him wood, and then he, the craftsman, made it into the box and then ruined it, doesn't have to pay for the box, because actually he acquires the shvach of the kli, he owns it, and it's like he's selling it back to the guy who sold him the wood, he's selling him back the box for more money. That's the pay, what he's paying him for doing that work for him. But he doesn't have to pay for the box itself, because of umen koin of Craftsman acquires it with the increase that he made, making this item a more expensive, a more effective, efficient type of a thing. He acquires that and then he sells it back. So therefore it's his that he's ruining it and not and only has to pay that guy back the wood itself, not the value of the box. So the Gemara says, Lemisayele. So the Gemara attempts to bring a raya to this opinion of Rav Asi from the following Mishnah of Kofam Base. The Mishnah says, If someone gives wool to a dyer, now, as we get here on top of Tzadi Tesem and Aleph, however, however, the vat burnt, it ruined the, 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 the dye, the, ruined it by itself, that he, the way he made it when he was doing the process of, of dyeing it, he ruined it. Says the Mishnah, he has to pay him the value of the wool that he gave him. He ruined what he gave him because he, in the dyeing process. Says the Gemara, what you see from the Mishnah is, he only has to pay him the value of the wool. He doesn't have to pay him the value of the wool and the increase because by the time it got burnt, before it got burnt, before it got ruined, it already had died. It was already a beautiful garment with the nice red color that he wanted. And only then did it get burnt. So, says the Gemara, isn't it talking about that even if the dye had already been absorbed into the garment, where there is an increase in the wool, where now it has the color in there, and still the Mishnah is only saying he only has to compensate him for the value of the wool, not for the shvach. The reason why, why doesn't he have to compensate him? It was like the case of the wood. The wood, he turned it into a box, then he broke it. According to Ravasi, he doesn't have to pay for the box because he made the box. Here too, why doesn't have to pay him for the, the garment that wasn't just wool, it was already had the dye in it, and then it got burnt, is because he did that, the craftsman. The, the, the dyer did that, and he made that increase. He acquired that, and therefore he only got from him the wool, and he then sells him back the dyed wool. Now he ruined it, okay, so he has to pay him back the wool, but not for the shvach, obviously because it's umen koinim shvachli. So Amr Shmuley says no. Hochmai skin, there's no rye like Ravasi. Here in that Mishnah, we're talking about where he burnt it before it absorbed the dye. They're like a shavcha, where there's no increase. But if there was a shvach, says the Gemara. So that's how Shmuel interprets the Mishnah. So ask the Gemara, So what are you saying, Shmuel? If it ruins it, the garment, after already the dye had been absorbed, what would be the halacha? That then we would give the value back to the guy, to the consumer, for his wool and for the increase. And that says the Gemara, is that to say that Shmuel does not hold a Gravasi? Now, it sounds like it's not like him, because since he attempts to explain the Mishnah like that, 
obviously means to say because he holds that it's only because it got ruined before it absorbed, but after it got absorbed, then they would have to pay him the shvach. Now, that would seem to say that then we don't follow in halacha like Ravasi because we know that we follow like Shmuel when it comes to dini, when it comes to monetary law. So is that the case that Shmuel disagreed with Ravasi? So then I'm like, Shmuel, Shmuel would tell you no. Hachamayeskina, what are we talking about over here in this halacha of the Mishnah, which sounds like that if it had gotten burnt after it absorbed, that then you would give the tzemer and the shvach, is because Kagayna would be talking about a case of the tzemer v'samon the balabayis. Not only is the wool from the consumer, but even the dye he gave to the, to, the, to the dyer to use. Where here you can't say anymore, even according to Ravasi, that umikoyin b'shvach kli, because what's being mashpiachet? What's making it more expensive now, this wool? It's the dye. Now, the dye is not owned by the dyer. Vitzava, to the contrary, the dyer, agar yidehu deshakel. He's only getting just what's called schiris ba'alma. He's just getting paid for his activity. And that is most definitely, as what the Gemara is answering, that Shmuel could be holds like Ravasi, that if the Samanim was owned by the dyer, then it was his dye which made it, that was the Kenyan he had in the Shvach Kli, and yes, then he would only pay for the value of the wool. This is Shmuel's interpreting the Mishnah that is not a right to Ravasi because actually it's someone that happened beforehand, so then it sounds like actually not like Ravasi, because that means after the dye absorbed that he would have to pay him for the Tzemer and for and for the shvach, that's only because that's told by the case, explains the Gemara, where the dye is not his. It's not the dyer's. So you can't say that he acquired it with the shvach of the kli because it's not his own dye. He's just doing an activity of putting these two things together. You can't say he acquired that. He gets paid for his manual labor. But if he actually, if the dye was his own thing, he made it, he was cutting the shvach kli, then could be he would hold like Ravasi. Now the Gemara asks on this interpretation. If that's the case, that's how you explain the Mishnah, that Shmuel shouldn't be contradictory to Ravasi, even though he's explaining it, that you would have to pay for the Demet Semer and the Shvach. Well, then, if you told him to explain this, told him where it's not his own die, it was, it was the consumer's own die, then why is he only compensating him for the wool? He should have to compensate him for the die too, because he ruined his die now also by burning it. Why does it only say he has to pay Demet Semer? So El Rabbi Gemara explains, you're right. It's told about a regular guy, a dyer who owns the dye himself. Now, seemingly, so then we're back to the question. So if Shmuel's explaining that it only took place beforehand, but after it absorbed, you would have to pay the shvach, that seems like not like Ravasi, says the Gemara, no, Shmuel dechui komadchile. All Shmuel was doing, doing was that he was rejecting the proof. He says you just can't prove from the Mishnah the halacha, but you can't infer, says the Gemara, that Shmuel's disagreeing with Ravasi. He's just saying that, no, it could be the case of that only before, and Hypothetically, it could be that afterwards you would have to give the Dmei Shvach to the guy because Umen is not Kayim Shvachli. But not because he's holding that, it could be he holds that, yes, but there's no proof from the Mishnah. Now, says Toshima, let's bring another Raya, this time not like Ravasi, from the following Brysa. Brysa says, Someone gives his garment, his talus, his cloak to a craftsman. So he finished doing the work he had to do and he notified. The consumer, the customer, that it was finished. Says the Braisa, even if he delayed coming to pick up his talus for 10 days, it does not violate the negative prohibition of Leitolin, which is a negative prohibition in the Torah, that if somebody has, as the Pasuk says in Vayikri, you shouldn't delay overnight the payment of the worker until the morning. Which means someone finished the work. You got to pay him that, that period, whether a day period or night period, depending when he finished the work. Says the Brisa. Here, where he never gave him the cloak yet, he just notified him. 
So okay, as long as I didn't pick it up yet, I have not violated Leitalim. But let's say he gave it to him in noontime during the day. Then says the Bible, once the sun sets, he had violated the negative prohibition of keeping it overnight or over day, depending on when he paid him. He had that whole time to pay him up. If he didn't pay him up, he violates this negative prohibition of delaying the payment. Says the Gemara, but if you entertain like Ravasi, that when a craftsman does something, he acquires it, and it's like he's selling it back to the guy who gave it to him to do the work. It's not like it's yours and I'm just a worker. No, an woman that changes a garment that does something to put things together, he acquires it, like he bought it from you, and now he's selling it back to you for a higher price after the work that he does. So then, am I even mission Baltalin? So now, why is the consumer violating Baltalin? What do you mean? Essentially, Kondravasi, the craftsman, is selling it to him. It's not a schiris, it's not a, it's not a rental, it's not a work, a hired worker. He bought it, and now he's selling it back. Someone, someone's selling, not paying right away, is not Leitolin, that's only for a worker. So why, according to Rav Asi, is there, is there a violation of Baltolin? So I'm Rav Mori Bered Rav Kani, he answers, it's told about this woman with the talis, it's told about Begarder de Sarvala, whereas Rasha says this is Floiker, which is where someone combs, he tassels the garments, where he just basically combs it, the Leke Shivcha, where there's no increase, it's the same garment as it always was, he just does uh, an act to it, a type of uh, working on the garment, so it's the same garment, and therefore it's no Shvach, and that's why it's not a sale back, it's the same thing, and it's just a Skiris, and that's why they would be Baltal. And that the Gemara asks, but save Saif. At the end, why is he giving it to him? He wants to soften the garment. That's what, these, that's what they do when they comb the garment. So if he softened it, well, that's the shvach. You said that when he, he increases the value of something, it doesn't be that you added dimensions to it. It could be qualitative too. So qualitatively, the shvach over here, then again, you're back to the question. He's selling it back to him. He charged $10 for his work. It's not really charging $10. The garment was worth $100 coming in. He's selling it back for $110. If it's a sale, then there's no Leitalin. So why is there Leitalin according to Ravasi? So I think Marantz is Loi, Tzricha. It's told Agri Leviche. He only hired him to do this, what Rashi says is Flarash, which means to say it's the, the manual labor of a launderer, meaning he hired him to step on it. That was the condition he made up how many bangs, poundings, he wants him to do which is bitcha bitcha b'ma'asa. Every pounding, he said, I'll pay you a ma'a for. That is hired labor, which is known as a schiriyim. He pays him for the set amount of hours or, or activities, but it's not halacha, what's known as a kablan, which is getting paid for the job, which, yes, if you're getting paid for the job, then you could say that, okay, if the job, then you meant, and, and you, you increased the value of the object, then you would say, um, but here, you have nothing. All you are are manual labor. You do this, I pay you a dollar every time you bang it. So there, there's no kinyan, there's no kablonis, there's no accepting a job. It's just getting paid for the activity. That's why there's no halacha of unmukam and therefore he's a scheriyayim, and that's why there would be baltal. And therefore it's not difficult in Ravasi. But the Gemara does comment that according to what we thought, at least in the question, that we assumed that he didn't hire him to pound it. But to the contrary, we thought that he wants a softened garment to be combed. And essentially, it's a job that he paid him for, not for each activity. 
and still we learned that you're going to violate Baltalan. So according to that, at least in the Havamina, what we thought, says the Gemara, that would support Rav Sheshes. Because the Bohemian Rav Sheshes, and essentially that is even in the answer, in the conclusion, we would still hold with the Havamina. We're just saying that that's not the case, and therefore that wouldn't contradict Ravasi. On that, the Gemara says that that supports Rav Sheshes. Because the Bohemian Rav Sheshes, we had asked the, that they, ha- they asked the following question Rav Sheshes. Kablonis, someone accepts upon himself a job to do, which it means to say not being paid for the hour or for the activity, but you have to accomplish this goal. So does that person, when he finishes that job, let's say fix a certain part in the car, it doesn't make a difference how many hours you do or what activities you do, as long as you do this job. So now when they finish fixing the car, is that a violation of Baltalan if you don't pay that day? Or does he not violate because he's not a, a schir, he's not getting, he's not a manual labor, it's a job, it's like, is it on some level like a sale? Now, Vamla Rav Sheshe, Rav Sheshe said to him, Iver, no, for a Kabbalan, you're also going to violate Baltalan if you don't pay him in that time period of the day or the night. So, says the Gemara, that's being supported by this Havamina that we said, which we assumed that this was from a case of Kablanis, which was to do the job. We answered that, no, it's from a Schiriyoyim, and that's why it's not going to contradict Ravasi. But according to the Havamina, that supports Rav Sheshis, who says that that's a violation of Baltan, like how we had interpreted in the Havamina, in the assumption, the, 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 the Halacha, the Braisa. Now, however, the Gemara asked now, but based on that, does that say that Rav Sheshes disagrees and disputes Ravasi? Because from the fact that he said that you violate when you're doing a job, obviously he holds that a woman is not and therefore it's not a sale back. And the reason, since you're not being acquiring the shvach, so the, the halachic ramification of that according to Rav Sheshes would be, and again, obviously not holding because again, if it is a sale, then you're not violating the halacha of Baltam because that's only by when you're a worker. So therefore, what we come out of country of Sheshes, that we're, if, if, the, if the consumer gives him wood to make a box out of it, and he makes the box and then he breaks it, then he actually would have to pay for the box, because it's like manual labor, even when you're doing it through Kablanis, which is getting paid for the job, but you never owned it. So at any point in time, before you broke it, it was always that person. So even though you made it into the box, but it was his box, you're just getting paid for the work you're doing. When you break it, you're liable for the box which is not like the way Rav Asi, as we said in the previous staff, that he said that actually you're going to be exempt because the woman was kainet, but Shavachli, obviously Rav Sheshul holds that you're not kainet. So Amr Shemul Barachi says, no, actually Rav Sheshul does not dispute Rav Asi. The case of Rav Sheshul that said that for Kablonis, where obviously you're not being kainet with the Shavachli, where if you fix the car, now the car went up in value by doing the job, that he says you're going to be Eribaltalim. So it's told a specific type of a case. You're right, by the case of a car, when he, when he made something different, then he made a shvach in the clay, and he would be kind of, and he wouldn't be chayiv for what he had made the increase. But the case of Sheshis is b'shlicha igarta, where he was a messenger to deliver a letter, where he wasn't getting paid per hour, I don't care how many stops you make, you have a job to do, that's what Kablonis is, where he didn't hire him per day, just to deliver the letter to that place. It was in that case Rav Sheshis said for the Kablonis, when he finishes his job, you got to make sure you're paying by the end of that day. Now, there, there's no shvach for him to acquire anything. He didn't change anything. It was just getting paid for the job. It wasn't increasing a value or anything. So, therefore, you can't say, And that's why it would apply the halacha of Baltalin. And that's why, that's the halacha they were talking about over. But essentially, you could say that he would agree to Ravasi that when it was a job of Kablonis, which, let's say, in the case of the mechanic or the box, that you would be making something out of it, that then he would 
not there would not be Baltan because actually it would be a sale back because he has acquired and therefore he actually would not be Chayef in the box because there you have a Shvach in the Kli that then he would be kind of. The case he's talking about is delivering the letter where there's no Shvach in the Kli and therefore there's no Kinyan to happen over there and that's why the Kabbalah is being evaluated not as a sale back but actually as a manual labor albeit not per day but per job and that's why there is going to be Halacha Baltan. So now that the Gemara resolved that question on Ravasi, the Gemara says, Let's actually say that this halacha of Ravasi, if a woman is kind of a shvach kli or not, it, let's say it's a machlik is tanoi. As the Gemara brings the following b'risa, let's say a woman tells a man, that's a craftsman, she tells him, Aseli sherim, make for me anklets, nizamim, nose rings, taboys, and finger rings, meaning, make me jewelry from my silver, from my gold. Berkadoshloch. And in the, the amount of work that, that usually takes a certain amount of money, let's say he charges $1,000 for the work that he's doing, that amount of money will be considered the is kedushin that I won't have to pay because that will be considered that's the money that you're using to be mikadosh me for, and with that amount, I'll be engaged to you. Says the first opinion, Kivan shasoyin mukodashas. Once he made her the jewelry, she's engaged. That's the mayor. They disagree. They say, She's not engaged. Until the money reaches to her hands. So the Gemara explains for us before it explains how this is going to be the Machlekes Tanoim. My moment. What do the Chacham mean when they say that she's only engaged when the money reaches her hands? If you would entertain to say that it means that money, meaning that jewelry, which was made, which that there is a certain amount of money over there which she owes him, which he's giving to her now without that payment, which is what he's using to engage her for, the mechlal, that inference would then mean, through a mayor's suffer, the mayor would hold that even the money itself, meaning the jewelry itself, he doesn't even have to give her yet, and still should be engaged. On that, the Gemara asks, El Makacha. Then according to a mayor, then how is she getting engaged when he finishes making her the jewelry? He didn't give her anything yet. So El rather explains the Gemara, it's obvious that my mom, and what do the Chacham mean when they say that she's only going to be engaged when he gives her the money? It means mom and acher, other money, meaning just giving her the jewelry that he made for her without her paying him and using that as condition, that they hold that's not going to create a condition. You, besides giving her the jewelry, he has to give her other money to create a condition. And therefore, the Savrua, those who were explaining this b'risa, they held that the following parameters to explain the machlekes. The kuleyama that everybody, I mean Rameir and the Chum, both agree that yeshna l'schiris mitzchilevatzayf that the way it works when you're hiring someone, a hired laborer, which is what you're doing with this craftsman, you're hiring him to work, it starts from the beginning when he starts the job until the end. Meaning, let's say he charges $100, $1,000 for his work. The moment his work started, the clock started ticking, the first start work he started doing, which is already, she owed him a pruta's worth, from that moment she owes him that pruta. So essentially, when she doesn't pay him right away, because she's only going to pay him at the end of the job, that's like as if there's a loan that's by her because she owes him already the pruta. Now, therefore, if we don't say, and this is going to be what the Gemara is going to explain, that umakoyne shvach kli, that the craftsman acquires, let's say in this case, the jewelry, so then because of the element of schiris, of hired labor, Remei would not say that she could become engaged through the amount of the work that was done. Why? Because another premise that they were basing it on is that the Kuliyama that everyone agrees, Hamakadash b'milva ain't 
If a man gave a woman, he lent her $1,000. And he says, you know what? For that $1,000 that I gave you, I want you to be engaged to me. So the premise that they held was that everyone agrees that you cannot be Makadish a woman with that because you already gave her that money five weeks ago. Now, milva is what's called lahitzanin. It's, it's given for the person to spend. So it's not extant anymore. It's not here to say, I'm giving you that because Kedushan has to be at that moment you're giving her something. If you're meichel the milva, that's something else. You're giving her by forgiving. But if let's say not forgiving, if you're just saying, the money I gave you should be the Kedushan, but the money's not here anymore. You gave that to me five weeks ago. You're not giving me anything right now. So the same thing is, if you hold so essentially you're never, at the moment that he finishes the jewelry and is giving it back to her, he's not giving her anything because she really owed him that money as it was going, proceeding, filling in that, the, the, the amount that she owed, pruta, 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 the whole time it's going, she owes him that, and she didn't pay him yet, so that's essentially like a loan that she owes him, that money. It's not at the end that then... He's giving her something. It's not at the end that she owes it to him. She owes it to him throughout. So it's a milva. And you cannot be Mekadosh with a milva. So then how do we understand the opinion, let's say, of a mayor that holds that he could be Mekadosh by giving her back the jewelry? Says the Gemara, my loves, isn't it talking about what they're disagreeing about is Ravasi's principle. Do we say that the craftsman acquires the vessel through the increase what he made in it? And that is, you're a mayor, so a mayor holds umen kli. The craftsman acquires it with the shvach that he made to the kli. So therefore, when he's giving her the jewelry back, he's being mekadosh her with that jewelry. Because in that jewelry, part of that ownership is his. So although he's not giving her any other money, he's giving her something that's his, because he acquired that shvach and the kli. Rabbanan Sabri ain't no mekarin of shvachli. Whereas Rabbanan held that no, the craftsman doesn't acquire anything in the utensil, so he doesn't own it, it's her jewelry. And all he's doing is labor for her. So therefore, that's why they said that she's not going to be engaged until he gives her other money. Which moment do we explain? Other moment because you cannot be Makadashar with that jewelry. Because, again, the amount that she owes him, he's not giving her that because that's already a milva. And regarding the jewelry itself, he's not, he's not giving her anything because he didn't acquire anything. So similarly, Ravasi Salah is telling this Machlekistanayim. And then the Gemara says, Loi. No, it's not necessarily that, the, the, that this machlek is around his halacha. Because the kuleyam, I can really tell you that everyone holds, actually not like Ravasi. That ain't umin kain kli, the craftsman does not acquire any rights in the shvach of the kli. So then the question was, so then what's going to be the understanding of Rameyer? El rather says the Gemara, hacha b'yeshnu In other words, two of the pshatim the Gemara is going to bring are going to be actually the premises that we made were incorrect. And actually that's disputed. Do we say that schiris, that when someone's working for someone else, is the, does, the, does, the, does the payment, like, like a meter in the, in the taxi, does it start ticking already how much money you owe, although you want to go to that destination, if you would stop somewhere in the middle, it would be that amount. Is schiris the same way when you hire someone else? Does it start from the beginning to the end? Remeir sover in le schiris el le no, schiris is only payable only at the end. And therefore, when he's giving her back the jewelry now, he's not giving her back a milva. He's, it's right now that she owes it to him. It's right now when he's giving it to her, he's giving her that money right now. It's not a milva. It's not, she didn't owe it to him throughout this time period that it then is essentially like a loan, meaning that you already, own it, you already owe me. But okay, you know what? It's like I'm lending you the money till I finish it. No, it's not true. It only starts right now. So therefore, that's like a valid condition. When you're giving her this and not taking money, you're essentially giving her that money. 
Rabbanan Sabri, no, yesh l'schris, metichil v'tzayif. Rabbanan, however, held that no, it starts from the beginning going all the way through, and therefore, as we explained, that makes it into a milva. And a milva, you cannot be makadish with a milva, and that's why they held that you have to give some other money. That's one approach. Or v'yibayisei, more if you want, you could say, the other premise was not unanimous. Actually, the kula alma yesh l'schris, metichil v'tzayif. Everyone agrees that no, it's yes, it does start from the beginning till the end. And therefore, what she owes him is a milva. But they're disputing, could you be Mekadosh, a woman, through a loan? The Remeyer saw a Mekadosh bin Milva Mekadoshes. Remeyer held that you could engage a woman with a loan. Rabban saw a Mekadosh bin Milva in the Mekadoshes. Rabban held that you could not be. And therefore that could be their Machlekes. But again, it doesn't have to be about this Halacha Ravasi of Umukayin Bishvach Kli or not. Those are two approaches. We continue on to Ahmed Bey's where the Gemara says, Rav Ami says a third approach. Says, the Kul that truthfully you could say actually both premises, and still won't be a proof that they're disagreeing regarding Rabbasis Salacha. The Kulam, you could say that everyone holds Yeshna Schiris Metrivat Saif. You're right, Schiris, the, the, the amount of labor that's owed, starts from the beginning throughout the end, which makes it into a milva. Udukulam, Hamakadish, Bimilva, and Mukadesh, you're right, everyone agrees that you cannot engage a woman with, with, a, with, a, with a milva, with a loan. And still you could say, Udukulam, Ain Umukoin Bishvachl. You could say that actually everyone, even Remeir, disagrees with Rabbasis Salacha. And the woman, the craftsman, does not acquire any rights in it. So then the question is, so then how, do, how would your mayor hold it? You can make a woman by just giving her back the jewelry and not giving her anything else. Al-Hachmaiskin, rather, here explains rather what we're talking about in this machlekes is, She gave him the gold, she gave him the silver, she said, do me a favor, turn this into jewelry. He did that. But additionally, he added on a gemstone of his own. He added something in there. Now that's the machlekes. Remeir Savar, Milva, Upruta, Remeir holds that when someone is giving someone alone, and their own coin. Daita apruta. The woman's intention is for the pruta that he's giving her, which is not just a loan, which is her own money or what she's going to have to pay him back for, and therefore she's mukudashis. Now Rashi explains the reason why he picks a pruta, because that's the minimum amount that a woman could become mukudashis for. So therefore, in this case, where, yes, when he's giving her back the jewelry without taking the payment from her, essentially what he's giving her is a milva. She already had that money that she owed him, which essentially is like he lent it to her when he started doing the work five weeks ago. So you can't be mechanical with a milva. But he's not just giving her the milva at that time. He's also giving her another thing that he added on, which could have been just worth a pruta. And it's a, it pales in comparison to what the jewelry is, but that's what she wants. She wants what he's giving her. That is a valid condition. Whereas Rabban and Sarvi, Milva Pruta, Daita Milva, Rabban hold that no. If he's giving her this little gemstone, but that's nothing in comparison to the Milva, meaning to what he's forgiving her, that is what her primary focus is. And you give me, you mean you're not going to charge me for all that? Good, I'll get engaged to you for that amount that I'm saving. That's not a valid condition because that's a Milva and you can't be Makadash or the Milva. The fact that he's giving her a Pruta, that she's not focusing on. And therefore, that's why the Rabban Hold is not going to be a condition until he gives her other monies. And says the Gemara, And similarly, it's the same achlik as we find the way Rab is explaining, not like we wanted to say that it's Tali Rabasi's halacha, it's about Milva Upruta. We find the same achlik as Tanoim in the following Brisa. If a man tells a woman that for the pay of work that I have already done for you, I want you to become engaged to me, says the Tanakama, she's not engaged. Because the reason is, is that since he already gave that work to her, 
So now what she owes him is a loan. Again, that's the halacha that you cannot be mekadosh with a milva. Now, but let's say b'schar she'eseimach. Let's say he says, for the pay of the work that I will do with you, for that amount of money which you're going to get that benefit, I want you to be engaged to me, then says the Tanakhama mukadashas. Then she is engaged. And the reason being is because this opinion holds that Schiris is only at the end. And therefore, when he, the time comes that he finishes the work that he did for her, that he's giving to her at that moment that amount of pay, which he's not charging her, and that's only at that moment towards the end, and therefore that's going to be Mukudashas. That's again, there's a difference according to Tanakama. If it's work that he did already, that's already a Milva, and that's not good. But if it's work that he's going to do, then at the end he's giving her that at that moment, that's going to create a Kedushan. Rabbi Nasanaimer, he disagrees. He says, Even in the case of the pay for the reward of what I will do work for you, ain't a mukadeshes. That will not be kedushin. And the reason beginning is because Rabbi Nasan holds, as Gemara will shortly explain, that Yesh does not start at the end. It starts from the beginning to the end. And therefore, every single pruta, every single coin, was already a milva that she owed him. And therefore, it's not going to be valid even for work that he's going to do. For sure, it's not going to work. For if he wants to engage her for work that he already did for her, because from the day again that he did that, then already it already was like a milva that she owed him, so there was not going to be a valid kedushin. Third opinion, Rabbi Huda Nasiyam, he says, "The emes amru." In truth, they said, "Bein Whether for the for the benefit for work that I did for you, or bein Whether for the benefit of work that I will do for you, he agrees to Rabbi Nasiyam that any mukadesh, it's not going to be valid kedushin. But he says. But if besides the work, which again, yes, that's going to be problematic because of Yesh Meschiz it's going to be like a milva, but he also, at the end, he also adds on his own naifech, he adds on something else besides the work, which that's not a milva, then Mekodesh then she'll be engaged. So the Gemara explains. What's the difference between the first opinion and the Tanakam and Nasan? As we've been explaining, it's Schiris. Is Schiris Mitzchil Batzayf? Or is it only at the end? If it's Mitzchil Batzayv, like Reb Nassim, then it's going to be, even for the future, it's going to be a milva, because by the time you finish, it's a milva. Whereas the Tanakhama held that it's no, it's only at the end, and therefore it is a valid Kedushin. Now, Bain Reb Nassim, Reb Yehuda Nassim, what's between the last two opinions? That of Reb Nassim, Reb Yehuda Nassim, milva pruta. The difference between them is this case of when you're giving a person, the woman, a loan and a coin, where Rebbe holds milva pruta, her intention is on the pruta. Therefore, if, he's, if he adds on neifir mishalai, it's going to be a good kedushin. But Reb Nassim holds that even if he's adding on to something, it's not going to be a kedushin because her intention is for the primary one, which is the milva. And again, that cannot create a kedushin. And that is what the Gemara says is what Rab is answering for this machlaik is between Rameh and Rabbanan is the same concept that they're disagreeing about regarding if he's neifir, if he's meisiv neifir mishalai, is that going to be on the milva or is it going to be on the pruta? But again, not necessarily that they're disagreeing regarding Rebbe's halacha. Could be all the premises we had were correct. You cannot be Mekadosh or Milva, and it's Mitchilavat Saif. And still, it's, they're going to disagree with Rebbe's, even Rebbe Meir, because it's based on a different principle because of adding on his own proof besides the Milva. Now, going back to the topic of our previous Mishnah regarding a woman that was given something to fix and he ends up ruining it, so the Gemara brings the following halacha. Amr Shmuel. Tavach Umen Shekilkel. A professional butcher that ruins the meat says, says, says the Seshmul, so he has to compensate for the loss of the animal. And all the more so if he's a commoner, 
he shouldn't have slaughtered in the first place because he's not proficient, he's not a sheikh, and he doesn't know how to slaughter, so for sure he'd be liable. But even though Uman, even a professional, he has to pay because Mazaku Peshehu, he's a damager, he's negligent. And the reason being is because it's as if the guy told the, the, the sheikhet, the slaughterer, I want you to slaughter it for me over here, because if you do proper shechit, it has to be a specific place. And it ends up like as if he slaughtered somewhere else, because if you made it into the veli, you messed up, it's like you did not what was asked of you, and therefore like in the halacha of Mishnah, if he ruined it, he has to pay for it. Now the Gemara asked on Shmuel's halacha, why did he have to say when he described the liability of the sheikhet, he's a damager, he's negligent, what was the necessity of that adding on peshehu? Says the Gemara, had he only said that he's a damager and that's why he's liable, Havamina, I would have thought to say, Hanamili, that the liability is only if the Shaykhid was getting paid for, for slaughtering that guy's animal. Now, the reason being is because the premise of calling someone a mazik is the halacha that we know of what's called Adamud la'ila. A person, as the Adam Hamazik, is always a mood. In other words, whether he did it by mistake or whether he did it deliberately, meaning even if it's a situation of oinus, which was beyond his control, he still, if he's called a mazik, is going to be chayv and oinus. Now, who is chayv and oinus? That's like a shemr sacher. A shemr sacher, if someone is do, uh, watching something for somebody, he's taking responsibility for something, if he's getting paid for the work that he does, he's chayv on oinsen. Now, but I would have thought to say that if he does it for free, he's doing a favor, then actually he would be like a shaymerchinam. Shaymerchinam is not chayv on the einzin. He's not getting all that benefit. And therefore, I would say that actually a shaykhid that's slaughtering for free would be exempt. That's why Shmuel used the words peshayahu, that he's negligent. And that is, we don't consider like an einis something beyond his control that he made a mistake. It was actually a negligence because he should have been more careful that maybe the animal is going to be shaking and he should have been careful when he's doing the shechita. And therefore, even like a shemachinam is chayv on pshia on negligence, so too this guy who's slaughtering for free is going to be liable for slaughtering and messing up because it's considered a negligence. On this halacha, Eisvei Rav Chama Baguri Lishmol, he asks on Shmuel from the following b'risa. The b'risa says, Similarly, the same type of case, like Shmuel. Someone gives an animal to a slaughterer and he turns it into nevela, which is he doesn't do a proper slaughtering. Uman, Potter, a professional, he's exempt because it's an anus, it's beyond his control. He tried doing a shechita and something happened with the animal. Had Yitchai have a commoner, he's liable because he shouldn't have slaughtered. Now, the Mnoisin Schar says the Bryce, if he paid the slaughterer, then Ben Hedjid Ben Uman Chayav, then whether he's a professional or, or a commoner, he's going to be liable. But one thing you see is that we just explained that Shmuel said the words Peshea to say even if he does it for free, he's going to be Chayav, even if he's a woman, even if he's a professional, and yet clearly here we see in the Bryce, if he does it for free, he's going to be Potter. So Amalei says, Shmuel said to Rav Chama Baguri, he says, Lacher Meichach, your brain should be like murky water. That was his response. So also, Now, another rabbi came along and asked Shmuel the same type of a question. Again, how could Shmuel you say that when we have this b'risa? So Shmuel said to this rabbi, Now you're going to take what your friend took. Meaning, I'm going to give you the same response. And he explained why he was saying it's not a question. I was telling you that I hold like Remeyer. You're asking me from a b'risa, it's obviously going like the Rabbanan. Why weren't you meticulous and precise in my words? 
Shani Omer, what were the words I was saying? Maziku Poishayahu, he's a damager, he's negligent. What is the, what does that mean? Because I said that it's like as if he told him to slaughter over here and he slaughtered over here. Explain Shmuel. Manisle Haisvar. Those were the words I used. Who holds of that logic? Remeyer. That's Remeyer. The that he says, that the guy should have been more careful. So what he asked me from a Brisa, which obviously going like Rabban, and yes, Rabban disagreed with that premise. Don't ask that on me when I'm going like Remeyer, who holds and therefore even a professional, even if he's doing it for free, is going to be chayv, because he's like a Shemachinam, who with a negligent is going to be chayv. Now on this response of Shmuel, the Gemara has high Remeyer. Which Remeyer is he referring to that says that if, you're, if you should have been more careful, then we're going to consider it like a negligence and you're going to be chayv. So the Gemara says, if you think it means this Remeyer, which the Gemara says, Klan Simen, which is a reference to these three halachas that we're bringing from Remeyer of Kesharoi, or of Letzvaya, or of Nishbra. That's not. So the first attempt the Gemara brings is from a Mishnah Daphne and Heima base. The Mishnah said, Kesharoi ba'olav b'meiseiroi. If the owner of the animal ties it with the reins, and it blocks, it closes up the gate in front of it appropriately, and still the yatsa v'hizik, still the animal gets out and damages. So then, bein tam bein mu'at chayev, divrei meir. Meir says, it doesn't make a difference. Even though you tie it up in front of it, and it's a tam or mu'at, either way you're going to be liable. So similarly, you see from this halacha, that remeir is the one that holds a higher level of negligence than the rabbanan, where you should have realized that the animal could maybe get out, even though you close it appropriately. And that says the Gemara, that's not a good proof. Because Hassan Bekroi Pligi, there, as the Gemara explains on Daf Memheyam Abbeis and Perkshashanagach above Dal Behei, that it's actually they're disagreeing regarding Xer Sarkasov. So the reason why Remei holds Yechayev is not because of logic, as if you want to say, oh, he should have been more careful. Remei holds him to a higher standard. That's not true. It's actually based on the decree of the Pesukim. So Ella rather the Gemara says, Haremeir did not. So what are you going to say? It's Remeir that we learned in the Mishnah on the next Daf on Daf Kofem Abbeis, where when someone gives something to a, 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 to, a, a, to a worker, to a professional, to a dyer, it says, He gives them, he wants them to die red, he dies a black. He wants them to die black, he dies a red. Remeir says, He says, you got to pay him. You got to give him back the value of his wool. So you see seemingly that Remeir holds that even though people could make mistakes and maybe think that he didn't necessarily want that color. Either way, but Remeir is the one that holds him to the higher level, the higher standard. No, it's considered a negligence. But you should have been more careful, and you have to pay. And I think Mar says, no, that's not either good proof. There it's like he actively burnt it from the guy. In other words, his in- it was with intentionality that he changed the colors. So, okay, there Remeir is going to hold that Yechayim. But where do we see regarding a guy trying to shay, trying to shech, trying to slaughter, and you're saying he should have been more careful? Then we consider negligence. You don't see that from that halacha of Remeir and that mission of Kofim and Beis. So rather says the Gemara, Har not. It's actually the following Remeir which is learned in the following Brisa. The Brisa says Nishbur Silka. If somebody's walking the street and his jug breaks and the shards are on the floor, and he doesn't pick it up. Or or his camel fell in the street, and he doesn't pick it up. So Remeir says, now if somebody trips on this camel, and gets hurts himself in the shards, the owner is going to be liable for the damages. However, the Chacham say they disagree. They say, no, you're exempt from court-mandated liabilities, but you're liable at the hands of heaven. 
Now, explains the Gemara of a Kaimalan, and we, con- we explained that halacha, the disagreement between Meir and Rabban is regarding when somebody trips, is that considered a negligence or not? Where Meir holds that Nitkal is a Peshea because he should have been Havalamirmanafshe. He should have been more careful. He should, have, he should have checked where he's going, and therefore, this we see is Meir's halacha, that he holds him to a higher standard. He should have been more careful and tripping although you just tripped, what do you want from me, is considered a negligence, and therefore you're going to be chayiv. That's who Shmuel was going like when he said the halacha by a sheikhid, where he's called him a peshehu, which is obviously like a mayor, and therefore he said, don't ask me from these braises, which are going like the Rabban, who they, in this halacha that we just quoted, disagree with Remeir, and hold like by nitkal, it's not a peshehu, so to in this halacha of a sheikhid, they hold that a woman who is doing it for free is going to be exempt, because they do not consider a negligence, but I'm going like Remeir. Now, so too, like this halacha of Shmuel, the Gemara brings, Amar He says, Tavach umen A professional slaughterer who messes up in the shechit is liable. Even if he's as professional as the sheikhdom, as the slaughterers of tzipari, which were, they were, they were highly trained sheikhdom. Now, this the Gemara asked, Miyam Rabbi Yechon, did Rabbi Yechon really say this? But he said, There was an incident in front of Rabbi in the shul in Ma'in, which is the place. And he said to them, Zil He said to the Shaykh, bring a proof, bring proof that you're a professional in knowing how to slaughter chickens, and I'll exempt you. So you see, Rabbi Yechon holds that a woman that shechs and he messes up is exempt. How could Rabbi Yechon have been quoted as saying that a woman that shechs is chayef? I think Marcel Lekash is not a difficulty. Khan Bechinam. When he said that he's going to be exempt in this story was when he shechted it for free. Because actually, Rabbi Yechonen holds like the Rabbonon, not like Shmuel, who's going like Rabbeir, who holds that it's not a negligence. So if you did it for free, then you're like a Shemachinam. And since it's not a negligence, so you're going to be exempt. Khan Beschar. When did he say that even the woman's going to be chayv if he's doing it for pay? So just like a pay, then you're like someone that's getting benefit, like a shay masachar and a shell, then you're liable even for something which is more of an einus, and that's why he held that he's going to be chayef. As the Gemara says, Kihadam like Reb had said, if someone wants that the slaughterer that he's hiring to slaughter his meat should be liable if he makes it into the vela, yaktam like dinner, he should preface him a dinner, he should pay him for it, then he'll be liable, again, because of this differentiation that we explained for the 12 of Rabbi Yechanan, for free, like the Rabban, he's exempt, but with pay, then he's going to be chayef. Now, however, on this halach of Rabbi Yechanan, the Gemara asks Meisvei. The Gemara asks from the following Brisa. Brisa says, Someone brings his wheat to a professional grinder, someone that's appointed that that's his job that he does, which part of that job is that he has to soak the wheat in water, and then he grinds it in the mortar, and that removes the outer husks of the wheat, which to make it into refined flour. Now the problem is, the guy who that's his job, that's what you're paying him for, he didn't soak the wheat. Now when he went and he grinded up the wheat, so he made it into coarse bran, which is thicker than this next one, or fine bran, and because bran has that outer, that's why it has that fiber, that's why it's healthy, but people want that refined flour, so this guy messed up. He didn't, he didn't do the job he was supposed to do. He grinded it without first taking off the outer husks. Well, let's say kemach lenachem. Let's say you bring flour to a baker. Vasoi pasni pailin. He also messed up. He made this, this breaking type of bread where it crumbles when you hold it. Or let's say behem letabach venivla. You bring an animal to a slaughterer and he turns it, makes it into nevela. It's not kosher. Says the brai sechayev. These professionals are going to be liable. 
Because he's like somebody that gets paid to do the job that he's doing, whether to watching or whatever. Now, the Gemara's question is, the words that it's as if he's like a Shemar Sacher, sounds like that even though he's not Noisi Sacher, meaning even if he does not carry payment, meaning he's not getting paid for it, still, he's going to be liable like a Shemar Sacher. Now, why would that be? Obviously, because you see from the Brisa that we consider it a negligence and not an oinus. And therefore, even though he is doing it for free, essentially, which is like a Shemachinam, still he's going to be liable as if he was a Shemir Sacher. So that refutes Rabbi Yechen, who said that when you do it for free, that then you're going to be potter. And I think Mara says, no, take out the Chafadimian. Take it out. It's not like a Nisus Sacher. Say, because he is a Nisus Sacher, because actually he is getting paid. But you're right. If he was doing it for free, then actually he wouldn't be exempt, like Rabbi Yechen had said. Now, the Gemara brings the following incident regarding these halachas. There was a certain incident of hagrama. Now, what hagrama is, is that slaughtering has to be through one of the many rings that there are of, of cartilage throughout the animal's neck. Now, the hagrama is when between the necks there's some tissue the halach is if you go out of that ring and you go into that area, so then that's not a valid shkita. Now, however, in the case that we're discussing over here, is that the majority of the cartilage of that ring around the neck was slaughtered, which, according to the basic halacha, that is valid. Now, there was a little bit of that that was left over, which is actually machalikis. Yehuda says it's kosher as long as you slaughtered the majority of that ring, even if then afterwards you, your hand then went up, let's say, at an incline, and you went into the other part of the neck, then since you did the majority, that's a valid shkita. But the Rabbanon disagree, and they say, no, you have to get the whole thing, sever that entire ring, and then if you go up, that's okay, but you have to do the whole thing, as this machlik is a burn a chul and dafir chesem alf. So someone did that incident where he did this hagrama, which was, you got the most of it, but not all of it, and then he went to the other part of the neck. And this story came in from the Rav, and Tarfei. And he said that the animal's treif is not kosher, which like the pinyin the Rabbanan that say that even if you did the majority, if you went out to the other area of the neck, it's treif, it's not kosher. But upatri he still exempted the slaughterer who did this agram from paying to the owner, which essentially is like really like a base of Yehuda, who says that it's kosher. Because if it's not kosher, then as we said before, an uman, that shechs, is going to be chayv. So Pagubei Rav Kahana Rav Asi Gavras. Rav Kahana and Rav Asi encountered this person, meaning the owner of the animal, who had this psak libid against him. And Amrli, they said to him, Ovid Bach Rav Tarti. You know what? Rav actually did two things to you. Now the Gemara my Tarti. What are these two things that they were referring to? Ilim Tarti So if you would entertain to say that they were telling him that actually two things against you, Rav did. First of all, First of all, he actually should have said that it's kosher, like Rav Yehuda. And still, he said that it's treif, like Rabbana. So that's one bad thing he did for you. Paskin like the more stringent opinion. Moreover, even if he's saying that halach is like Rabbana, that it's not kosher, but then he should have held the, the, the slaughterer liable, because as we said before, a, a slaughterer that slaughters and makes an nevela, he's chayv. So he did two things against you. One, first of all, he passed like the most stringent opinion. And moreover, when it came to the payment of the slaughterer, he actually made him exempt, and you lo- losing that money. So that thing asked, if that's what they told him, are they really allowed to tell him regarding a court case that this is what Rav did to them? But Vatanya, we learned the Brisa, which talks about the halacha of a judge himself, 
as it's brought in Masech the Sanhedrin, that when he comes out of court, he's not allowed to tell one of the litigants, look, I just want you to know, I actually found you in favor. But my colleagues, they outweighed me, and they held you liable. What can I do? My, my colleagues, they, they were the majority, and therefore you lost the case. Says the Brisa, he's not allowed to say this. Regarding such a person, it says the Pasuk Mishlei, someone that goes like a, a peddler, revealing secrets. You're not allowed to. So how could this be what they told him, as if telling that this is what Rav did to him, the bad things of the judge. You're not allowed to say these things. el explains the Gemara, what they told him was, Rav did two good things for you. One, first of all, he did not have you eat something which is, could have been possibly treif, because that's what Rav was in doubt about, who the halach is like. It's like the Rabban who says it's Asr, or it's like Rabbi who says that it's Kasher. That's one benefit he did for you, that you didn't eat possible treif. And moreover, he also held you back from a doubt of theft, because if it would be like Rabbi Yehuda, that it's Kasher, then actually the slaughter would be exempt. And if he would make the slaughter pay you, you'd be taking stolen money. Therefore, he did two good things for you by passing that it's treif and that you don't have, that the sheikh didn't have to pay you for the, the animal that he made possible treif. Now, related discussion, now moving on from a slaughterer to a different profession. Itma, we learned, Hamara dinner l'shalchani. If someone shows a coin to a money changer to see, is this good is this valid currency that my friend's going to take it from me or not? Should I take it from someone that I can use it and pass it on? And he says it's good. The Nimtzara turns out it's actually not good. So Tan Echadi will learn in one bride, said that Umin Potter had A professional money changer, he's exempt for that mistake. But a commoner who shouldn't have put yourself in that type of situation, why are you saying it's good? You're, now, you're going to be liable now. But Tan Echadi will another bride that says Bein Umin Bein Hedit that actually both the commoner and even the professional are going to be liable. So how do we resolve that contradiction regarding the professional? So Amrat Papa, says, Ki tanya umen pater, meaning really a professional is also chayv like the second b'risa. So how do we understand the first b'risa that said the professional is exempt? It means the, old, the, 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 the extreme professionals, who these were names of highly trained money changers, where they don't have to learn at all. They know everything what's there to know about coins. Which Tesla points out, why didn't the Gemara answer, as it said in the previous Gemara's discussion, that depends. The Uman would depend if he was paid or not, like it says regarding Shkita. And that says Tesis that regarding coin recognition, that requires very hard professionalism. And therefore, a person should not be looking and analyzing and saying if this is good or not, unless you're a professional like Danko and Isser. So even a regular professional, even if he's doing it for free, actually would be liable. Now, the only case that you're exempt is like Danko and Isser, where they don't have to know more, and if they made a mistake, that's exempt, because that's like an oinus gamma, that's something that's way beyond. No. So the Gemara asks, El Bamaito, so what was the error that they made if they know everything to know about coins? So the Gemara explains, is to They made an error in what Rashi calls Kvoyed's Balaz, which is this imprint that they make in the coins, that they went and they just changed over, they voided the coin, and they made a new image. And no one, it's just, just started now, and no one was proficient in that yet. That he shited the nothing me two says at that moment, they just, the government just decided and just changed from the old stamp. So therefore, that was the error that they made. That was something that could not have been expected. For that, they're going to be exempt. But even a regular woman is going to be high if they're not as highly trained professionals as this Danko and Isser.
Now, a story relating to this halacha, the Gemara brings that he was a certain woman that showed a certain dinner coin to Reb See, is this good, Rebbe? Is Could I use this? Would people take this from me? So he told her, yeah, this is a good coin. So the next day she came in front of him and she told him, I showed it to people that wanted to pay with this coin. And they said, this is not good coin. And they, they didn't want to take it from me. Now it's worthless. You told me that it's a good coin. I accepted it from the people that I took it from. So Amalei Larav, so said to his nephew Rav, Zil Nahale. Go ahead and exchange it for her, this coin. And the reason why he was telling this to Rav is because Rav was the one that was the, the treasurer, so to speak, for Rebchia, who was his uncle. So he told Rav, go ahead and exchange it for her. Because of a because he write on my ledger, that din isik bish, this was a bad investment. In other words, what I did over here, for nothing, I lost money. I shouldn't have looked at the coins. I just lost out what I tell it was good. Now I got to pay her that money. So that's the story. So the Gemara asked, So why is this any different than Allah that we brought before? The Danka and Iser, that we said that if they make a mistake regarding coins, they're exempt. There's nothing more that they have to know about money. They know everything what there is to know about coins. And therefore, if they make a mistake, they're exempt. Rebbe was also a highly trained professional in halacha, which includes the halachas of currency. And therefore, he also knew. So why was he paying? He should also be exempt. So I think more answers, you're right, according to the basic halacha, he was exempt. But he went what's called in within the line of judgment. And he was going beyond the letter of the law. And that's why he went and he gave her the compensation for the coin. That there is such a halacha of going The Pasik says in Shemais, in his Parakut Ches Pasik Chaf, it says there in the Pasik that you should warn the Jewish people, the statutes and, and the laws, you should let them know the path that they should go in, and the actions that they should do. So the Bryce expounds each one of these words connotes another area of halacha. You should notify them. This refers to, as we continue to talk about, of their, their house of their life, which as Rashi explains, that means to say Talmud Torah, learning Torah. Esaderich, the path. Yugmil's chasadim. These are acts of kindness. Yelchu, that they should go in. Zubikar chaylam. Going, meaning to go visit the ill people. But in it, zukavur. That's a reference for burial. Which Rashi points out, although the Gemara in Mesat Ta'il asks, what do you mean? Bikar chaylam, visiting the sick and burying a person are acts of gemil's chasadim. But there the Gemara explains that they're, they're, they're different than more the, the generic halach of gemil's chasadim. Because Bikr Chayim is specifically told about Ben Gilu, someone that has the same mazla as that one who's ill, who when he visits him, he takes one-sixtieth of his illness. So it's referring to him when it's reference, a special reference of Bikr Chayim. And Kavura, burial, refers to an elderly person who actually he wouldn't have to do an act of Gimel Chassadim because it's not according to his honor. Even so, when it comes to burial, that's the special word of Baz, who Kavura, referring to that even in such a situation, he should do that mitzvah of bearing. And it says, Esamasa, the action, Zehadin, that's judgment. Asher that they should do, is Zulaf Nimishrus Adin. That's even going beyond the letter of the law. That's a halacha. There's Maisa, which is Din, and then Asher Yasin, that they should do, going even beyond the letter of the law. That's regarding what he was practicing, where although, yes, he is exempt, like Danko and Isser, who, since he's a professional and he makes a mistake in the coin, he's exempt, but he went with Nimishrus Adin, and that's why he paid back this woman the money that he had erroneously told it was good, when really it was not good.